Hello, this is John Lenchner, and welcome to On Not Knowing, a series of conversations about embracing a growth mindset. In our first podcast, we spoke with veteran IBMer and mad scientist John Cohn. As John noted, in many ways, he is a person who never grew up. In this edition of the podcast, we're sitting down with early career IBMer Lori French. Lori was the recipient of the prestigious 2019 British Computing Society UK IT Apprentice of the Year Award, as well as two other apprenticeship awards in 2020. Lori somehow manages to balance her crazy work life at the IBM Hursley R&D Lab with time to finish up her undergraduate degree at Exeter University. In my chat with John, he mentioned how he is always learning from people around him, even those who are very junior. I'm reminded of a classic book about Zen Buddhism entitled Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shinruyu Suzuki. Suzuki says that in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. So just like there was a lot to learn from John, I think there will be a lot to learn from Lori. If you're an old-time IBMer like me, I suggest you close your eyes and remember when you were just starting out in your IBM career. Let us take a look out on that pasture through Lori's eyes. So Lori, great to have you on the show. Hi John, thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here. So how did you first get interested in computers and programming? So the precursor to be to me being interested in technology was actually realizing my passion for maths. So from as young as being in primary school, I realized I loved solving problems and I would spend hours trying to figure out maths. And when I finally get it right, I would just be elated. And so I, when I became slightly older and I started Googling what natural career journeys are associated with that, and Google essentially yelled at me to become a programmer. And so I started dabbling a bit with code and creating some basic applications in my free time and decided that I really wanted to pursue programming. So then, Laurie, how did you get interested in IBM? So I'd heard about IBM a lot in publicity. So I knew about Watson with the Jeopardy performance, as well as the chess match with Gary Kasparov. And as well, something I knew was IBM's patenting culture with like more inventions than it was something like the previous 25 consecutive years. And so it seemed like an amazing company to work for. And as well, they have fantastic apprenticeship schemes, um, which is what I was interested in. So one of the concepts about, the, about an apprenticeship that resonates with me is the ability to watch a master at work and emulate that master. Have you had an experience like that at IBM or perhaps at Exeter? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that inherent to the apprenticeship scheme is learning from others. You know, you're brought in as a very junior employee and you're expected to kind of soak up the knowledge of the people around you. And I think as well, certainly within research, we have so many incredibly talented developers that I've just tried to learn as much as I can from them. Um, luckily, they've kindly taken me under their wing and like have shared their expertise, um, but very much trying to soak up the amazing things that they've experienced and learned. Okay, so you haven't been at IBM long, but you were hired not, not to research. How did you uh, transition to research? Yeah, so I sat within the consultancy arm for two years. And for there, I was building things like chatbots and um, software robotics. Um, but I wanted to do programming. And the things that I've been doing in those two years were kind of code-free solutions. And then I'd heard from someone that labs within the UK had like all of the, well, the majority of the engineering facility. 
And so I don't know if I was allowed to, but I just started turning up to meetings and being like coming to their community um, events and just talking to anyone that I could within that department. And um, very luckily, I ended up being introduced to a manager from one of the research teams. And they were kind enough to interview me and have some conversations with me. But essentially, um, it was from afar, me very much trying to get my head in the door. So I, I know you're well known for having developed something called the conversation analyst that handles over 60,000 messages per week. Uh, Ginny called it one of the most sophisticated proven applications of Watson on the IBM cloud to date. Uh, is that something you did before you got to research? Did it help you get into research? Yeah, absolutely. So I built that within the consortium and essentially I was hired into one of the leading entertainment companies in Europe to build a chatbot for them. And it was my first um, chatbot project. So I had to learn a lot very quickly, but my kind of specialism was in creating the knowledge corpus so that it could accurately identify user queries. And that project lasted for like 10 months. And in the end, as you said, it went live to 60,000 customers a week. And I believe it's being uh, scaled up now to over 100,000. And I was really, really delighted when it got shown at Think, um, you know, it'd be my dream since I joined IBM. So to have that happen was amazing. And I did use it uh, a lot in the interview with research, kind of talking about my background within development and the skills that I could add. And luckily as well, you know, they'd done work with chatbots with other clients. So we very much um, had crossed paths somewhat and could build off the same ideas. So, so I saw this picture of you all dressed up and fancy accepting the UK IT Apprenticeship of the Year Award. Tell us a little about that award and how you uh, actually won it. Yes, it was, a, it was a lovely evening. I remember going to the event and they had these like acrobats dart like falling from the ceiling, pouring you champagne and it was all a bit wild. Um, but essentially I'd applied, well, my manager put me forward for the award based on the work I'd done within GBS. And um, I really did think I was going to win it. So I basically got there and relaxed and was just planning to spend it celebrating other people. Um, and then very kindly, you know, they considered the think pieces and the work with the chatbots were kind enough to let me win. Um, and then since then as well, it was fantastic because it opened lots of doors. So I've done quite a few publicity campaigns with BCS out the back of it, um, which has been amazing in opening up new conversations and meeting new people. And then you racked up two more of these awards this year. Yes, I'm very lucky. I basically have a really kind manager who puts me forward for everything. Um, but yeah, again, like wonderful experiences that I'm very grateful for. <laughs> but it's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. So, so this month's growth mindset theme is that of viewing challenges as opportunities. So was there a particularly challenging circumstance in your life that you managed to turn into an opportunity to grow? I think it's such a great question. And, you know, moving to research was a very big piece because I've been trying to be an engineer for years and desperately trying to enter this technical sphere with these people that I was in awe of. And then finally getting there was very hard. You know, I had a short period to kind of upskill in to be relevant. And I was surrounded by people with PhDs and I hadn't even finished my undergrad. And it's a testament to researchers' investment that they gave me enough time to become you know, skilled and they invested so many other developers' time into fostering that. Um, and I, I'm so grateful for it because I love my job. So it was very kind of them. Something from our earlier conversation that I'd like to get back to. You mentioned how when, when you were young, you loved maths and chess 
exactly like me, actually. But on top of that, you, you being a girl, were you ever ridiculed or made to feel like a, well, well I hate to use this word, but like a nerd? Yeah, it is, that's another very interesting question. Um, absolutely. I found that the spaces which I was most drawn to were largely populated by men. And that probably is the same today. Um, and I think that as well, I was second guessed a lot for why I belonged in those spaces. So, you know, when I applied for, to join the Mathletes Club and I wanted to be a part of like very nerdy <laughs> societies, um, a lot of the times people thought I had the wrong room. They didn't think I was right for the role. And um, it's been like a long route to kind of feeling secure enough that I do deserve a place here. Did you ever second guess yourself or worry about your, your social self like many of us do in, that, in our early years? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, one memory really sticks out, which was when I was doing maths at A-level and I joined the mathletes and I was super excited about it. And I remember coming home and telling my parents how optimistic I was about what that meant. And then I attended my first meeting and I was like the only woman there. And I found that hard because I was like, should I be here? Is this really the right space for me? And um, I spoke to my maths teacher about it. And I said, like, I don't think I belong here. I really think I should leave the group. Um, I don't think I'm good enough. And then I remember him saying that we had to do a test to qualify for the group. And I'd been like the second highest in the whole team. And he asked, you know, is this a part? Because you really, there aren't many women here and you don't feel very welcome. And I think it was an important lesson because it's so easy to feel like you don't deserve a place when that may not necessarily be true. And it was a learning opportunity for me to reflect that I shouldn't immediately second guess myself when, you know, why do I have less of a right to those spaces than others? So is there a person in your early life, uh, perhaps from school, that particularly took, took you under their wing and championed you? So I think there were, you know, there was a female mathematics tutor that I had who was just crazy intelligent and I admired hugely. And I always think seeing people that you can resonate with is so powerful to champion in your journey. Because, you know, not only are you in awe of what they do, but it makes you feel like there's an opening for you in some way, right, if they've managed to do it. Um, but more recently within research, uh, there's a senior developer called Emma Dawson, and she massively took me under her wing and, like, taught me everything from the ground up. And I think she's an incredible role model for, for women wanting to get into STEM. So she's what you, I guess, your personal hero at IBM so far. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I came in and not only is she so talented as a developer, but she's a senior inventor and, you know, for someone with no background in inventing or publications, I was just, I think it's amazing. So, and as well, I think that's a piece that, again, makes others feel like I can do this right. If there's someone so talented who is somewhat like me and, and is excelling at it. So congratulations, Lori, for a wonderful start to your career. Thanks for sharing your story with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be on this podcast. So thank you for the opportunity, John. That wraps up today's episode of On Not Knowing. A big thanks to our sound designer and producer, Andy Aaron. I'm John Lenchner, and thanks for listening.